Good afternoon, America. Welcome to the Common Sense for America podcast. I'm Ian Duncan, your CSA director and host. Our mission is to put common sense intelligence back into American thought. So I started this podcast to answer the question, how did we get here? How did we get to a place where common sense values just seems to go completely straight out the door? You can have somebody say common sense, you know, like the sky is blue. And then another person can go, yep, the sky is blue. How did we go from there to, hey, I feel like I'm a woman, but I'm in a tra- trapped in a man's body. And gender and, is a social construct and biology has, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, how did we get there? That is a question I often find myself asking, and I'm sure a lot of you are wondering that too. Well, I'm going to start off today by kind of talking about uh, the loss of common sense. And oftentimes, you know, I, I think to myself, how have we gotten to this place in our country with some of the positions that we have concerning views on gender, you know, views on politics and, and a lot of things like that. And I often come back to what I term as the loss of common sense. And uh, what common sense is, is what I define it as, is readily observable facts and the ability to come to logical conclusions. I also say that this is known as wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge with proven results and experiences with good judgment. Because knowledge by itself is not necessarily a good thing. If you don't have good judgment with knowledge, you will come, it can often lead to bad outcomes. So I know a lot of times, you know, you hear about education, how it's super important, how a lot of times particular people are highly educated. Well, the sad part is, is yes, they might have a lot of knowledge. They don't know how to implement that knowledge in a good way. And oftentimes because of that, the bad judgment can lead to bad outcomes. So the loss of common sense has kind of led to two different, very different worldviews. I mean, you have the conservative, traditional worldview where our system, our history is good. And then you've got the leftist and liberal tradition or view, and it is looks at our history is bad. And I kind of will differentiate between liberalism and leftism. Now, conservatism relies on tradition, culture, history, whereas liberalism has a tendency to want to be progressive and focus on change. So those are some of the, the differences there. The unfortunate thing with conservatism is that sometimes, you know, some of those ideas can be a little bit outdated, but for the most part, they've been proven to be good for society as a whole. But if there is no change, it can lead to stagnation and it can also lead to a lack of progression. Liberalism, liberalism is kind of focusing on progressivism and change can be good. And I agree with this. Um, I think a balance of the two helps create a better society. But the thing is, is that you don't throw out all of tradition and you don't um, completely forget about conserving the past. You don't want to do that because there's a lot of reasons and a lot of proven things within in a conservative view of history that, you know, we got here by building a foundation. And that's kind of how I view conservatism is it's the foundation. And then, you know, you can build a house on top of that. But unless your foundation is good, um, your house is not going to be very sturdy. So liberalism in that change can be good. It's only if it's coupled with a good conservative view. Liberalism and change by itself, change is not always good. 
and neither is always conserving past history and culture. You know, uh, there is a balance. Those two worldviews, you kind of have seen one go to the extreme, and that is liberalism and the Democratic Party. If you, There are significant amount of studies that show that the Republican Party, as far as their values and their stated values, you go back 20 years, it's almost the same as it was 20 years ago. There hasn't been a lot of change, and that's to be expected, right? You know, conservative values are often um, traditional and, and don't change very much, whereas the Democratic and, the, and liberal part, Democratic Party have changed quite a bit to not necessarily the good. The biggest reason for that is because they have absolutely been influenced by leftism. Leftism is not a very good ideology. Leftism basically looks at history and culture through a lens that is completely bad. Leftism is often uh, referred to as communism. And I'll get into that a little bit more here in the future. But it often looks at uh, a particular culture, a particular society in a very bad prism and, and, and that all of traditions and cultures are bad. Specific examples that you see today is when you hear about racism, misogyny, and the patriarchy, right? They look at our country as bad. And that leftism, because liberalism is so open to change, um, it's easy for leftism to come in and influence the liberal type thinkers to the point where they kind of throw tradition and common sense completely out the door. They don't temper those two things. And so that's kind of what you're seeing in the Democratic Party today. Kind of keep that in the back of your mind as I, I expand on some more topics a little bit later here. So first, we need to take a quick commercial break. Today's podcast is brought to you by CPI Transactions. Need non-standard funding for real estate deals? CPI Transactions can help. We make real estate transactions easier. Check us out at cpitransactions.com. All of this that I just went over is to kind of lead in a new term that I've come up with. It's called crony fascism. And I think people need to fully understand two different things that are diametrically opposed. And crony fascism is a combination of these two diametrically opposed things that we're seeing in the United States today. So I'm going to start off by defining what crony capitalism is. Crony capitalism is an economic system in which businesses use political influence to tip market conditions to their favor, often benefiting both the politicians and businesses alike, also known as mercantilism. An example of that would be the lobbyists in D.C., that's one example. Another example is where you get powerful business leaders that will go in and, and get grants or tax breaks and whatnot, usually oftentimes on a federal level, but not always, to where they, they gain an economic advantage in the business they're working on. Prime example of this, and most people don't like to think about this, would be Solyndra and the whole solar energy company, Solyndra. Um, they got all kinds of grants that uh, were to help them uh, create a company, and it ended up going belly up. But that's a good example, and 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 that's that's crony capitalism. That was very much pushed by President Obama. And you, what's funny, the irony there is, is during that time, you had a lot of talk about the one percenters and things like that. But well, the actual crony capitalism was 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 happening in. And companies like Solyndra were soliciting the Obama administration for grants and things like that. Um, but that's not the only example. There are others. Like I said, lobbyists, you know, sometimes the uh, left will talk about the gun lobbyists, which, believe it or not, they don't have nearly the political influence as some of the other 
more left-leaning companies do, but you get the idea. And then there is uh, fascism, which oftentimes here in this country, you will hear um, Republicans and conservatives kind of characterized as fascist. Well, that's because most people don't understand what actual fascism is. Fascism is a political, governmental, and economic system in which the government controls the businesses and often characterized by rigid militant socialist behavior. It's also known as corporatism. I'm going to key on that word because that word is how you have the left try to characterize fascism with capitalism. And it's not. It's not at all. It's very much top-down government control. So to kind of re-illustrate what I just said, crony capitalism is where businesses influence influence politicians to gain an advantage in a market through government forces. And then fascism is pretty much exactly the opposite. It is where the government controls uh, the levers of business. So keep those two things in mind. Neither one of those are capitalism. One is a bastardization of uh, capitalism, and that's what crony capitalism is. And then the other is a marriage of militant socialism with the government control. And it often results in totalitarianism. So definitely want to make those two points. So so I'm going to kind of talk about, you know, I, I did talk about that word corporatism. And I want you to think about that word, how it's been used to equate fascism with capitalism. Because you think of corporations, you think of capitalistic, I'm sorry, a capitalistic society. You think of that as as capitalism, which it's not. And capitalism in and of itself, the whole concept and the the view of capitalism kind of came about by a gentleman by the name of Adam Smith. He talked about capitalism. He's known as the father of capitalism. And what he, he wrote a book, it was called The Wealth of Nations. And in that book, he talked about, you know, rational self-interest in, in, in a capitalistic society. And what he meant by that is that capitalism works where if a person wants to better themselves, they want to create a product, they want to a product or service, they can do so and they can sell that product or service to other people. And in doing that, his motivation is rational self-interest. He wants to be able to make money. And oftentimes that rational self-interest, it's not designed to help society, but the very fact that you use your rational self-interest to create a, a, a good or a service that benefits society, you you can create a better society. And that's ultimately what has happened with capitalism. Primary, you know, our country here is a pretty free market. It always has been. And we are one of the, if not the wealthiest nation in the world. And why is that? That's because of capitalism. You have um, things like Amazon as a prime example, right? Jeff Bezos, he wanted to be able to sell books originally. He, he set out to uh, figure out a way to take on places like Barnes and Noble and, and wanted to create a marketplace to where he could distribute and sell books easily. And he went to small book distributors and worked with them and, and created this, this internet marketplace to be able to sell and distribute books. Well, he soon realized that books are great, but what if you could create essentially an internet storefront? And that's what 
Amazon morphed into. And he understood distribution. He understood being able to make it easy and quick. And he looked at it from the standpoint of what can I do to uh, be able to uh, distribute these goods and services, sell them at an inexpensive rate, and that people can get them quickly, almost as quickly as if they went shopping. And when he did that, he transformed the industry and the internet quite, quite literally. Because uh, before um, Amazon was around, you'd order something off of someplace, and then sometimes you would get it five to seven business days, depending upon if it was UPS, FedEx, or the postal system. And there wasn't really a good way of tracking of that. And, and oftentimes you had to go for one particular type of good. You had to go to one website, uh, another particular type of good to another website. There wasn't consistency, right? And so Amazon and Jeff Bezos saw this opportunity of, hey, let's make it essentially a global marketplace for all products and services, and we can sell them and we can distribute them and it can be quick. And because of that, he made a crap ton of money. He became incredibly wealthy. And that was his motivation. That was his rational self-interest was to be able to make money. So that's a that's a real world example of capitalism and working and, and the whole idea of rational self-interest. One of the things that is often discredited or that is not associated with Adam Smith and the Wealth of Nations and capitalism is that he rejected Adam Smith, the very father of economics, rejected the idea of crony capitalism, although he called it mercantilism. They're essentially the same thing. He fully understood that if you had a disproportionate influence of a particular market or distribution or, or process or service or product, and you could somehow get the political class to give you an advantage, he, he knew that that was bad. He knew that that was very bad, and he absolutely rejected it. Thought it was 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 very bad, and that it was a distortion of capitalism, and he 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 absolutely rejected it. So the 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 line that you're often fed in today's day and age is that you know capitalism is bad. Well, even the father of capitalism understood that crony capitalism is a perversion of capitalism, and it is it is bad. I want you to kind of keep that in the back of your mind and think about that because you're told something very different. Oftentimes the left will characterize capitalism as, you know, crony capitalism and that there are the, 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 the winners and the losers, right? They don't look at it as a win-win situation. And why is that? Something to think about. So now on to the father of communism, and that is Karl Marx wrote what is known as the Communist Manifesto. Now, Marx had uh, observed capitalism and also had observed, uh, you know, mercantilism and crony capitalism and also thought it was bad. But he went a step further. He viewed all of capitalism as bad and it, in, it was a corrupt system from the get go. And he rejected capitalism. He rejected capitalism's values. He rejected the Judeo-Christian society as a whole, because most uh, capitalistic societies had the moral social fabric of Judeo-Christian values. And so he absolutely rejected that. And when he looked at crony capitalism, he always saw it as systems of power and class conflict and power dynamics. 
And he termed those two things. He, he broke society up into two groups. He called what the first group was the proletariat, um, the labor class. And the labor class consisted of what today's equivalent would be essentially the middle and lower class. And then you had the, the bourgeoisie, which was the rich, oftentimes the merchants, um, Jeff Bezos types, and nobility, which would be uh, the noble class or the political class, right? So he differentiated those two, which when you think about it, the bourgeoisie, that's what would make crony capitalism function. And who got screwed, right? It was the proletariat. And that's how he viewed that. And he viewed that, that it was because capitalism, he thought was a corrupt system. And he viewed everything through that power struggle and that class conflict, those power dynamics. And because of that, that's what led to communism and that view. And, and that is essentially leftism, right? When I talked about earlier, I explained that leftism looks at everything, uh, history and culture as bad, right? And that is essentially where that evolved from, was from Marx and, and communism, because they viewed tradition, they viewed culture, they reviewed the Judeo-Christian values and capitalism as, as just a bad, corrupt system. And you can sort of understand why, because if you looked at it from only the crony capitalism perspective, yeah, you might think that. But just keep that very much in mind, because that is how we got to where the left hear all these systems of power, the, uh, you know, racism, all of that is in evolution from, from communist thought, leftist thought. All right. Now that I've gone through the historical nature, um, Adam Smith and Marx, and, and where the origins of both capitalism and communism and leftism have um, stemmed from, I'm going to pivot to something which a lot of people characterized as right-leaning, but it's more left-leaning, and I'll explain. Um, that is fascism. Fascism came about as a concept. Uh, it was created by Mussolini, Benito Mussolini, and Giovanni Gentile. Mussolini was a socialist in Italy, not too long after, you know, World War One and the uh, World Great Depression. There's a lot going on there, right? And so Mussolini, he started out as a socialist, which if you understand socialism, it is a, it's a step to communism. Socialism, you've heard of democratic socialism. That's what we're seeing pushed today, oftentimes by the AOC types, by leftists that are uh, have in, infiltrated the uh, Democratic Party. But it's this idea that, you know, society, uh, groupthink, very much uh, has its roots in, in communism and and the belief that um, power to the people, right? Um, and that's what Mussolini originally was. And so was Giovanni Gentile. They came up with this idea of fascism. And they didn't completely like what they saw with some of the communist movements in Russia, to where the overthrow of the government and the overthrow of the capitalistic system led to totalitarianism. You had Lenin and then Stalin in Russia, and that's because anytime you completely destroy something, uh, you create a vacuum, and then um, bad people can step in. And, and that's what happened, right? Um, that's what happened during those revolutions in Russia. Um, so he saw that, and he says, yeah, that doesn't look good, right? Socialism, okay, it's not quite as extreme. 
but we like some of the things of, of, of capitalism. Um, and so that's how fascism was born. It, it, it had this power to the people, but it also tried to marry that with corporations. And that's how it, it became termed as corporatism. In order to keep control of a capitalistic society, you needed a very militant-like government. The most famous fascist was Hitler in Nazi Germany. And he had a very similar view. The Nazi Party stands for National Socialist Party in German. It's a National Socialistic Labor Party. There's more to it. I'm not going to say it in German because my German stinks. But um, you get the idea, right? It was, it was saying, hey, capitalism sucks, right, by itself. And um, that's what led to the Great Depression. And we need to take control of those businesses. See if this sounds familiar to you folks. Think about that. We're seeing that here in the United States today. You're not seeing it completely, but I'll get into what what I believe is what's known as crony fascism. But, but think about that, right? So Mussolini and Gentile came up with this idea. Hitler is the most famous. And both of these systems of government and economic control, they demonized a particular group, right? Or also uplifted national, what you would say, it was kind of a populist movement. You know, they, they had to have something to rally behind to get the people to believe in them. And they also had to create a focal point for anger. And that's what Hitler did much more so than Mussolini. Hitler used the Jews in Germany at the time of the Great Depression. They were doing pretty good economically. So um, Hitler was able to rally a lot of the German people around to view the Jews as somehow had undue influence on the government, right? Germany, it did really poorly after World War One, And what the Weimar Republic, which was the predecessor to Nazi Germany, um, they tried to print their way out of debt because they had gotten in a lot of debt from World War One, And they tried to print their way out of debt. Well, that created um, the German hyperinflation. See if that sounds familiar to you folks. Huge injections of money into the economy. Not a good thing. What I'm getting at here is how much is our current government's deficit, right? You know, what is that happening? I think um, um, under the Biden administration, the, the government debt, which is an accumulation of the, the budget deficit, has, has grown much larger than it ever has before. That's kind of what happened to Germany and what led to the rise of uh, the German hyperinflation and then later the Nazi party. I really want you to think about that um, because I do. But Hitler, he he was a, a, a very political animal. You know, he he used the angst that was created by the German people turning on the Jewish uh, Jewish merchants because they were fairly wealthy and they did better than most. He demonized them. He, he, he made them a focal point. And see if that, think about that. That's very similar to exactly what Marx did. And Marx uh, viewed the, the bourgeoisie as the very bad people, right? The merchant class, the rich. So there are those parallels there. At the same time, um, Hitler also didn't like how he saw how communism had turned into very totalitarianism and also believed that capitalism wasn't completely bad. So he kind of combined the ideologies of the two and said, we're going to control the economy top down and the businesses can sort of function. But again, both systems turned into a totalitarianistic state, fascism and communism. 
both. Capitalism, a true capitalistic society, is not that way. It is very free, open, and uh, a, a democratic republic like the United States. Those two things, because of the fact that government has limited control, it cannot happen. So a capitalistic democratic republic like the United States, it's very hard for it to turn into a totalitarian state. And that's why we have the system of government we have. But my point here is look at how these two, communism and fascism, are significantly, they're, they're very similar in nature in that the government controls the socioeconomic and political machinery. And, and that's a very leftist view because they view things through um, power structures. And that's what you will hear and see often talked about from the liberal left. Liberals somewhat leftist a lot. So that's how you can see that fascism is significantly more left-leaning than it is right-leaning. The only thing is, is that the implementation of fascism required the love of country. And in the instance of Hitler and the Nazi party, they used that love of country to get people riled up and um, focus on a particular group of people, uh, the Jewish people, and, and demonize them and make them look bad. Does that sound familiar, folks? Does that sound familiar to you? Who is it that's often termed as the bad, really bad, morally bad people, right? It's conservatives. It's Republicans. And who is doing the painting? Who's constantly painting Republicans and conservatives as misogynistic, racist, homophobic, anything under the sun? Think about that. Oh, and something else. The Nazi Party came up with the Ministry of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda. Oh, and in case you're wondering, woke means awoken to or a.k.a. enlightened to some of the systemic problems. See if that sounds kind of familiar. Didn't we have the attempt to create the uh, board of uh, or the department of disinformation? And aren't we the ones that are not in, unenlightened? Um, Republicans are the ones that need to be enlightened, need to be woke. Think about that. So I'm going to pivot a little bit more. Um, now that you understand the history of fascism, um, also the history of capitalism and the differences between the two. I'm going to pivot to what I have termed as crony fascism. That's what we're seeing here in the United States today. And what that is, is that crony fascism is taking crony capitalism, the um, power and influence of businesses, and trying to influence political, or political machinery, um, politicians specifically, as well as using companies to cram down socialistic or social change. And it's a very dangerous thing using companies, venture capitalist companies, to, to create change within the dynamics of a company. And it's using those elements, but it's more fascistic in nature in the sense that it wants to control businesses on a almost micro level. What I mean is you think of these venture capitalist companies such as BlackRock and Vanguard. They are taking control of companies and they are private equity firms themselves. And so the crony fascism piece is them taking top-down control of businesses such as 
Disney, um, such as Bud Anheuser Busch, you know, in the instance of Bud Light, and they are using their uh, political and monetary control and influence, and they they control trillions and trillions of dollars in assets. They're using that influence to force down and control large companies how they operate. And oftentimes this is against what their fiduciary duty is, and that is to uh, make sure that these companies uh, are profitable for the shareholders themselves. And they do this by using their resources to purchase a lot of voting stocks and the ability to change the board of directors on these publicly held companies. And they essentially vote board members in that are very woke in nature. And then those woke board members hire C-level executives that are also woke in nature because they've been educated through a woke educational system. And because those executives control the, the functionality and the management of a company, they're able to push down DEI initiatives. Um, I'm sure you've heard of diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, a lot of times, uh, I think the idea of DEI as an idea is okay. I think it's been perverted um, much like um, other systems um, to uh, push a very bad, very woke agenda. Um, you know, two examples of this are like Bud Light and Disney, right? You know, Bud Light, <laughs> what the heck, man? You guys hire Dylan Mulvaney um, to represent your brand. And well, um, obviously that was not the smartest move because most of Bud Light drinkers are um, middle and lower class folks that just want to go out and have a beer. And when they did that, you know, you're putting a transgender individual in front of a, a group that doesn't believe in transgenderism. Um, that's not smart marketing. And that's exactly what happened with Bud Light. I mean, it's tanked. Um, it may not survive, honest to goodness. I, I don't think many people saw that coming, but that's how you got to the point where you had a company uh, that's trying to push a DEI woke agenda um, onto its customers. And it, it failed. It failed miserably. Um, and it's they're feeling the bite of it now. But, but the very fact that um, the venture capitalist companies controlled um, the management and marketing of that company, um, they totally went against their fiduciary duty and to make money for those companies and, and push their agenda instead. Um, and then you have uh, another scenario like with Disney, right? Disney decided that it was going to try to influence politics in Florida. It basically came out against the quote unquote um, parental rights bill. I'm sorry, not quote unquote, the parental rights bill and pushed this idea that the parental rights bill, which basically said, hey, don't try to teach um, a sexual uh, sex don't don't try to treat, teach sexual information uh, in to uh, young children don't don't do that right don't just don't do that well Disney decided to characterize that as the don't say gay bill and in doing so uh, they kind of shot themselves in the foot right <laughs> Ron DeSantis said, hey, you know, you guys get some exceptional tax breaks and you're able to kind of function as your own entity, very separate from what most companies do here in Florida. 
and we're going to take away that uh, special class. And so that backfired. But the whole point here was is that they were trying to push their view on transgenderism, gay rights, everything else. They were trying to influence the politics much in the same almost fascistic manner, uh, you know, crony capitalistic manner, but slightly almost the opposite and tried to push their influence politics. Bad idea. Bad idea. But how did that come about? You know, because Disney as a company was there for childhood innocence, family values, everything. And that that whole don't say gay um, and pushing a lot of transgender type stuff, uh, I guess some Disney princesses are allowed to have beards and push their transgender stuff. They're starting to tank. You know, they're not doing very well. They're they are bleeding money. And I'm glad that's how that happens is, is that you get those crony fascists that take control of the management of a company and get completely away from what the company is about. Disney was never about gay rights, transgenderism. It was about family, family values, tradition, conservative culture. It's now, it doesn't seem to be that. They're not doing that. There was also an episode of Proud Family where they um, talked about uh, CRT and uh, the whole slaves built this country uh, stuff. Um, That's a whole other story I'll explain. Um, how 1619 came about and uh, the unfortunate truth there is is that they conflate um, indentured servitude with slavery and by the way uh, a lot of the Europeans that were also indentured servants um, as were the 20 uh, 18 to 20 black uh, folk that uh, were found in the Jamestown settlement that had come over um, which is where the whole 1619 project comes from and the reason for that was to predate uh, the formation of the country as a country. Um, but the sad, honest truth is they weren't actually slaves. They were indentured servants. But that was a whole other thing. But that's how you got there, right? That's how you got there, where the interest of the shareholders and the focus of the company um, took a back seat to woke ideology. So, all right. Well, now you know what crony fascism is. Um, now you understand how it functions, how it works, and how um, I think we're starting to see a change, right? <laughs> Disney and Bud Light, I think people are waking up. They're using their common sense to wake up, and they're saying, hey, wait, um, why are we spending money for these companies that um, don't uh, sell the product that they're supposed to sell to the customers that are their customers, and they're trying to change our view of society? Um People are waking up, and I'm thankful for that. But that's what – how did that happen? That was through um, crony fascism and the pushing of an agenda instead of uh, making a company run as a company. So thank you, folks, for listening. I'm going to close out this podcast uh, with these words from Proverbs 3.21. Don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them.